0: Hello, I'm Sarah Khan and welcome to Backing Brilliant Business, a series by Radio Centre. They're the people helping businesses of all sizes grow with great radio advertising. In this series, I will talk to guests who want to share their own unique expertise and experience to help you with your business from marketing experts who have reshaped how we see a brand in the marketplace to entrepreneurs who've started at the bottom and are now at the top of their field. Each episode, we'll look through our guest CV to discover the most rewarding and most challenging aspects of their career so far. And we discover their three key lessons in business, the learnings, advice and practices that they want to share to help you be better at whatever it is you do. In this episode, we're joined by Susanna Streeter. Susanna is a bilingual broadcaster and a financial commentator, who's anchored flagship news shows on BBC TV and radio, and hosts major summits and conferences around the world. She was a reporter for the national BBC One Breakfast Programme, where she broadcasted live from around Europe, and also reported for the consumer affairs show, Working Lunch on BBC Two. Currently, Susanna is the Senior Investment and Markets Analyst at Hargreaves Lansdowne, where she provides analysis for investors and global media outlets, and is the co-founder of Lac Mercielle, an outdoor swimming brand. Today, she joins us to talk about her chosen theme, communication, the heart of a successful business, and shares three lessons that will help you with your business. So Susanna welcome to the podcast really lovely to have you what I do is I go through people's CVs and pick out the most proudest and challenging moments of their career So, just visualize me as a good-looking version of Lord Sugar I know it's not hard (laughs) I know and we're going to just start off with finding out a little bit about yourself who are you and then going into your first job Susanna tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so I am a senior investment and markets analyst at uh, Hargreaves Lansdowne, and I spent uh, 15 years as a business anchor at the BBC. And I also have uh, launched a couple of businesses myself, and I'm an entrepreneur. I've got lots of uh, fingers in pies, as it were, but really, what has been the, the theme throughout my career, certainly over the last two decades is business, looking at how businesses tick, looking at how they work, look at the implications that a different economic events have on individual businesses. But it does come from a more of a varied path earlier on in my career. In fact, when I started off actually as a teenager, really keen on amateur dramatics, like I think so many, performing and that kind of thing. And that took me to some of my first real jobs.
0: Well, I tell you, I've got your CV here and I, I've got to talk about your first job. You had a one-off part in Casualty. Tell us about that.
1: I did. I was Penny the Runaway. I was Penny the Runaway and I was part of a local Amateur Dramatics Club, and we had a chance to audition for Casualty, which was extremely exciting. Wow! And and I won this part, and I I was a runaway, and I, I ran away, and I ended up in this house, and I actually got carbon monoxide poisoning, and had to be flown away to an iron lung for recovery. But it was a, one of those experiences, slightly embarrassing, because during the course of of the program, I actually had to the doctor had to like, cut my clothes away, which you can imagine being a teenager was particularly embarrassing on television but when the paycheck arrived I thought this is really worth it I I think it was about a thousand pounds I bought a a leather jacket but what was interesting is I went off to university and then over the years I'd get this steady stream of checks when this one program was sold around the world I remember one particular day I was feeling quite poor didn't have enough money to go out to the pub with my friends and I got a a check for £5.36 because that episode it had been shown shown in Namibia And so uh, there we are. I had enough to buy a round of, of drinks. And actually, it really did show me the power of kind of repeat business. If you've got a great product, you can keep selling it time and time again, as long as it's relevant to the audience. But and apparently Penny the Runaway was relevant to everybody in every part of the world. Fantastic. Where did this interest in business come from? So while I was at uh, the BBC, one of my first roles was actually at BBC Breakfast, and I just saw a job as a consumer affairs reporter. And I've always been fascinated throughout my earlier career as well. When I worked as a video journalist for Channel One television, you'd go out and interview kind of local businessmen and startup businesses. And I thought I could do that job and and help communicate to a wider audience, kind of consumer affairs, the impact of retail sales and how much money we have. And um, also, I then got a job replacing one of the presenters in the stock exchange and then started to learn so much more about the inner workings
0: of the city so it really then spiraled from that. Okay and when we look at some of your most challenging uh, kind of works that you've done from 1998 to 2006 squadron leader of media operations unit RAF reserves I can imagine that was really challenging tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I got into uh, becoming a reserve for the Royal Air Force because at the time I was working local radio. We had a variety of opportunities in local radio. One of them, in fact, was uh, voicing up my first ever local radio ad for Arcle's Brewery. But um, <laughs> Aside from that, you know, local radio and radio has played a huge part of my career. But one of the jobs that I was sent on was to the local RAF base, RAF Lynam. And um, it was to cover a partnership for peace exercise. Now, this was back in about 1998. And so there were military officers who came from Eastern Europe, Hungary in particular, Latvia. Lithuania for a partnership for peace exercise which is bringing together the former Cold War nations with the, the Royal Air Force it has huge relevance really to today and at that time I was really taken back and I thought I really want to be part of this force for good and I want to join up I want to join up and I saw an advert for an air traffic controller in the local Swindon advertiser at RAF Benson and I joined up and then um, quite quickly they realized that I had a specific skill in media and communications and I then went on to lead the Combrac camera team mobile news team flew off on exercises and operations around the world effectively I was the camera woman leading the team to send back pictures back to headquarters to strike command to show what it was really like on the ground so I really had a you know a fantastic experience around the world real insight into what it's like to be in the military and particularly had a a number of key moments that stuck in my mind when I was in Oman and we were there in 2001 just after 9-11 and there was the build-up to Afghanistan and I went up with aircraft to do air to air refueling and filming that above Afghanistan And then again, two years before that, actually, again, real relevance to what's happening right now, because I went to Kosovo and while I was at ITV, I was at Pristina Airport, which then was divided between NATO and the Russians. And it was really quite tense right then, because we didn't know quite what was going to happen with this division of the airfield and the Russian troops had come on one side and NATO the other during the Kosovo conflict, and I flew in with an aeromedical evacuation unit to film a number of casualties being evacuated back to RAF Lynham. And those moments really stick in your mind because it is tense, it could go either way, and you're in a semi-dangerous situation. But it really does you know, just remind you the sacrifices that so many servicemen and women are making, particularly those in the reserve forces. And a lot of these aeromedical evacuation troops... They had nine to five jobs, they might have worked in a hospital, they might be security guards, but at the weekend, they would leave those jobs and go off and carry out these reserve roles and be really integrated, uh, right in armed forces, but then go back to their day, day jobs afterward. And I think what they bring to the military, you know, is just incredible. And I was really pleased to have been part of that for nearly a decade.
0: It says here, Susanna, on your CV that one of the most rewarding experiences you've had in your career so far is interviewing former French president Francois Hollande.
1: Yes, that's right and it really was rewarding. So uh, another kind of part of my uh, commercial enterprises has been a conference host and moderator and speaker at international conferences around the world and uh, being chosen to interview François Hollande in French on stage in Dubai at the World Green Economy Conference really was a privilege. And it was a privilege and, you know, it was a real coup for me in so many ways, not least because he's the former French president, but also because it reminded me of just how disappointed I was when I was uh, 18 and I didn't get the grade I was expected to in French A level. And I was so disappointed. And actually at the time the careers advice was, well, maybe you shouldn't do French at university. You should just go and do you know, English and history because you've got better grades than that. But I was determined. And I said, no, I, A, I think I should have got a better mark. B, I love French. I'm going to do it. And I went off and did uh, French as a degree, politics and economics, and kept at it. And got a job in France and went to work for a French broadcaster, went for a pharmaceutical company. This is before I kind of got into journalism and business journalism. And then I kept it up, and so because I kept up my French language, when I had to do this kind of semi audition to be the moderator for this big event, I got the job. And being on stage in front of all these dignitaries in the Middle East, it really was a real privilege.
0: So we've asked you to talk about a theme, and yours is communication, the heart of a successful business. Why have you chosen that theme?
1: Well, because I think communication really is key at every single level. I mean, with customers, it's obvious, but with staff, with the community in which your business operates, even for many businesses with regulators, they've got to keep in constant contact and maintaining a really high level of communication is absolutely key. And if you can't communicate, you will fail. And We've seen just how well we all adapt when something is fundamental to businesses, the meeting are taken away as it was for the past couple of years. You've got to be able to communicate in all arenas, really, whether it's face to face, whether it's on Zoom and actually coming across and speaking in a way um, that isn't, you know, pure business speak. I mean, the job that I do now, my job really is to translate numbers into words and enable people to understand what's going on right at the heart of a business or understand what's going on around the table at uh, the Bank of England when they decide what to do about interest rates or, or when they decide to launch mass stimulus through the economy. We try and communicate that to audiences so that it's not kind of a mysterious world of finance it's a world that everybody can understand and I really do think that that is crucial for businesses as well because if they really don't communicate you know ultimately to their customers
0: they're just going to fail yeah okay and so within that theme you've got three lessons you want to share with us your lesson number one is know your customer and the channels they buy through what do you mean by that Well, when I say know your
1: customer, I mean, understand your customer. Obviously, know your customer is a a specific term that is used, particularly in financial services, to ensure there are stricter anti-money laundering rules adhered to. Understanding your customer, I think, is core for any business. And what I mean by that is I I find it kind of astounding that people still launch businesses these days. They think, I've got a great product. I'm just going to launch it. And they don't think, who Is going to buy it who exactly am i targeting they open a shop throw open the door and just expect anybody to walk in because they've got a great product those companies that are really successful know exactly who the audience is who their customers are before they launch that product and they tailor that product towards that customer base and also they know exactly because they know where their customers are and who they are, they know which channels that they
0: will buy through. This podcast is brought to you by Radio Centre, who are helping businesses across the UK grow with radio advertising. Head to radiocentre.org forward slash business to discover how radio can boost your company's performance, find out how the radio process works, hear from businesses who've found success with audio advertising, access free training and even search for, and be linked with, stations in your area. You can find out all that and more at radiocentre.org forward slash business. Lesson number two then, moving on, embrace flexible working to retain talent. Very, very apt, I think. We saw a lot of that in the pandemic.
1: So we did. Obviously, this accelerated shift towards virtual and hybrid working and hybrid working is here to stay, even though there have been many traditional companies that have come out and actually the government has even really tried to get people back to the office. And we had a lot of those messages, haven't we, over the past few months. The problem is people don't want to go back to the office nine to five, Monday to Friday in the same way they did it was awful commuting squeezed into a tube train. I mean, I did it for years. I'm sure you did. It's just really not what people want to do. It's absolutely a waste of time. I and mean, you, you, you it, the productivity levels are much better if you can do the extra hours work at home. However, that cohesiveness, we do want, you can't work in isolation forever. It's fine for some people, but we do need this balance to be struck. The problem that we have, though, is if companies don't allow for that flexibility going forward, they won't be able to retain the best talent. We've got a real fight for talent going on. And I've been speaking to quite a few recruitment consultants, and they say it is really difficult to hire people if the job says Monday to Friday and they don't provide flexibility, they're just not applying for it because people have become so used to having that extra bit of control over their working day, their working hours, and that feeling that you want to be a little bit of your own boss, you can do that if you work flexibly. You just can't do that if you're chained to your desk. And that was one of the most frustrating things I found through the past few decades of work, this kind of presenteeism, that if you're not at your desk, you're not working. Whereas, in fact, we know that you can get the best talent, for women in particular, allowing that flexibility, ensuring that partners can have that flexibility as well means that they can take on greater roles and that they will be much more able to smash through the glass ceiling which does still exist because so many women and men have childcare responsibilities they need to ensure that their partner can have that flexible approach as well and if we are all allowed to be flexible it will mean that we have much more equality of opportunity and so I think employers all of them got to wake up to this and companies really need to understand that flexibility is the key to retain the best talent
0: you're absolutely right it keeps you stimulated as well i think lesson number 3 you say grab every opportunity i mean your life cv your career cv is an absolute fantastic example of grabbing every opportunity what do you mean by it though and how do you know an opportunity is an opportunity when i say that i mean that
1: most people, myself included, sometimes get asked to do things and you think, oh, I can't do that. And then you have to stand back and think, well, why why can't I do that? What's stopping me? Why do I think I can't do that? And, uh, you know, I had that just before uh, I went to RAF Cranwell and and, uh, just before I, you know, flew off in various aircraft or just before I jumped from uh, journalism into financial services and just before you go on stage with a with a French former French president you just have to take a deep breath and think well someone's got to do it why shouldn't it be me and then think actually I have done this 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 and this you know this kind of imposter syndrome I think everybody has it and actually it's just ridiculous isn't it because you know somebody has to do the job And you shouldn't shut the door on things that you're afraid of. In fact, you should embrace that little frisson of fear because it's the frisson of fear. And if you can go past that, it opens the door to sometimes wonderful opportunities. There is, you know, a time element. You you can't say yes to everything. You have to really think, But where will that lead me? And if I push that door and that door opens, is that really a door that I want to go through? So you have to actually think, why are you taking on that opportunity and be a little bit strategic in in what you're aiming for? But certainly you have to jump in and really push yourself if you want to really achieve something.
0: Brilliant. Well, Susanna, um, your theme today was communication, the heart of a successful business. Your three lessons that you've given us to ponder about, think about and implement in our own businesses is first, know your customer and the channels they buy through. You then talked about embracing flexible working to retain talent and finally grabbing every opportunity to explore new avenues and open new doors. Thank you so much for your time. And, you know, one thing that really comes clear is the way that you communicate, the way you talk is so beautiful. And you've got obviously, you know, hone that in while talking on the radio because you you've definitely got a radio voice oh thank you <laughs> you really have it's lovely now before you go because you've worked on the radio you'll realize and understand the importance of a radio jingle you hum it all day long and people remember the message or remember the brand so regarding your theme and the lessons that you've shared with us what would your radio jingle be for us to remember what you've said take the plunge Oh, that is a really good one. Can you rap it or can you sing it? <laughs> you just got to take the plunge. I love it. That is brilliant. Thank you so much. Really apt with what you were saying as well. So thank you, Susanna. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. Thank you. Well, that's been the Backing Brilliant Business podcast with me, Syra Khan. And I really hope you've enjoyed the many words of wisdom that came from our chat. There'll be more amazing guests to come in the series with plenty of business lessons to be learned. So please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow Radio Centre across all of their socials on Instagram at Radio Center underscore UK and on Twitter at Radio Centre. The Backing Brilliant Business series was produced by Audio Always for Radio Centre and co-created by Eardrum. Visit radiocentre.org forward slash business for more information.